Welcome to Three Plastic Surgeons and a Microphone with, as always, Dr. Sam Jajorikar, whose Instagram handle is at Sam Jajorikar. He is located in Dallas, Texas. We also have Dr. Salvatore Pacella from La Jolla, California. His Instagram handle is at San Diego Plastic Surgeon. And I am Sam Ree. I uh, am from Paramus, New Jersey, and my Instagram handle is Bergen Cosmetic. As always, this show is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. The show is for informational purposes only. Treatments and results may vary based upon the circumstances, situation, and medical judgment after appropriate discussion. Always seek the advice of your surgeon or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding medical care. And never dis disregard professional medical advice or delay seeking advice because of something in this show. And with that, I turn it over to Dr. Sam Jajurikar to talk about one of the most common operations I think all plastic surgeons do or start off doing probably in their practice. Thank you, Dr. Ree, and good morning to you, Dr. Pacella. Good morning. So the inspiration for this topic came a few weeks ago when uh, we were reviewing the top plastic surgery procedures done in the U.S., and breast reduction came up and we realized we hadn't talked about it. And as we were talking just informally before we started rolling this podcast, it's clear that every plastic surgeon sees a large number of breast reduction patients. They're a commonly performed procedure in the U.S. They're not that exciting to plastic surgeons, just for full disclosure to our viewers, because we do so much of them and there's a few standard ways that people do them, but they're a really important thing. And with that in mind, we thought we last week we featured microsurgical breast reconstruction with Dr. Mike Worsek, which was innovative and different. This is bread and butter plastic surgery, but something that affects a large number of people. To get started, breast reduction is in plastic surgery, probably one of the most commonly performed procedures and by far and away, one of the ones that lead to the greatest number of happy patients. When you look at outcome studies um, that look at not just cosmetic results, but also functional results, we'll see that breast reduction patients are among the happiest patients in plastic surgery. Because when I see a patient for a breast augmentation, um, that's someone that's unhappy with their appearance and they're getting an implant just to make themselves look better. When I see someone for a breast reduction, there's certainly a cosmetic component, but oftentimes they have severe back pain, neck pain, shoulder pain, lower back pain, which is due to the weight of their breasts. The large size of their breasts can actually cause their bra straps to lead to profound pain and even grooving and wounds, which can be uncomfortable. Some women with really large breasts can actually get heat rashes in the summertime or even open wounds and just general irritation of the skin. And then we'll see that uh, many of these patients, despite despite having one, two, or even three sports bras, have a hard time exercising. It's hard for them to find bras. And in many ways, they find that their breasts are the focal point of their interactions with other people, which can diminish their confidence. Have you guys experienced similar things when you see these patients? Are there other things that we're missing or things that you notice in these patients preoperatively that you think the surgery can help with? Now, Dr. Jajurikar, in Dallas, I see that on this list, you did not put weight loss, benefits of breast reduction surgery, weight loss. The act of doing a breast reduction, does it cause the patient to lose weight? It's a common question I get. I'm taking off a bunch of tissue. Of course, it's going to make me lose a few pounds. Is that correct? Technically, yes. I think if you are a patient that is overweight and obese, doing a breast reduction will not change that overall state. But let's say we remove two or three pounds of tissue, your weight will go down by two or three pounds. 
So that's the key here, right? It's uh, it's not a tremendous amount of weight loss, and I think that's a common misconception. Breast reduction is not a treatment for excess weight. It's really not a ton of weight that we're taking off. Exactly. And the great thing about breast reduction surgery, though, is you can take all of these symptoms that are listed on this slide and make them go away. And in return, you can get smaller, perkier breasts and some scars. And the scars are what are oftentimes the the deterrent for patients to actually get the surgery. So what are the scars involved? <clears throat> there's a few different scars that are going to be involved, and there's different ways to do a breast reduction. Every breast reduction is going to have an incision that is around the pigmented nipple and areola. And not really quite knowing the social media rules, I put <laughs> I put a <laughs> I put a nipple shield over this drawing of a nipple. Smart. I don't want to get censored. Yes. I felt dumb doing that, but I did it. <laughs> but every breast reduction, no matter what sort of technique, has an incision around the areola. Why? Women that have large breasts tend to have enlargement of the areola. You need to put an incision around it to reduce it. And women with large breasts tend to have tend to have nipples that are pointing downward on the breast. In order to raise it, you have to add an incision around that. In addition, virtually all breast reductions, there is a technique described that doesn't use this, but virtually all breast reductions have a vertical scar. The incision that goes from the bottom of the areola to the bottom of the breast. So when we talk about short scar breast reductions, what we're really talking about is whether or not it has this final scar, an incision across the very bottom of the inframammary fold or the crease at the very bottom of the breast. And how do you get this? So, or, or how do you make the decision? I find that in my practice, about half the patients that I do will have this sort of, will have a, a more limited incision pattern. Half of them will have a, a, a broader incision. So in the sort of the more limited incision one, which we call a lollipop incision when we're talking to patients, which plastic surgeons will refer to as a circumvertical incision, so an incision around the areola and a straight line coming down, you'll notice that uh, the surgeon will design something that looks like a keyhole. And if you look at this picture in the, the top left, there are some dotted lines around the periphery, which is essentially where the, incision, where the surgeon will make some incisions. And then the blue is areas where the surgeon will remove skin, like you would peel the skin of an orange and you have breast tissue underneath. Essentially, the areola slides to the very top of this and these dotted lines come together to leave you with an incision around the pigmented nipple and areola complex and a straight line coming down. So for women that are either not that droopy or don't have that much tissue to use, this is oftentimes a nice option. Do you find yourselves doing this a lot or, or is this not very commonly used in your practice? Go ahead. Uh, oh, the lollipop? You're referring to the lollipop, right? Yeah, it's do you do this it's pretty hard to find a lot of patients that fit that for me. I almost always will make a little bit of a T on the bottom, even if it's just an inch or so. And I find that most patients will tolerate that without too much, too much issue. And I feel like I have a lot more control over the shape of the breast. If It's pretty rare for me to do just a straight lollipop. Yeah, I agree. I think the patients who qualify for this, I think, are patients who are in general doing a very small reduction or are fairly petite that need more of a lift type of a reduction as opposed to a volume reduction of size. Oftentimes, one, one thing we didn't cover, but I'm sure we'll get into, is insurance coverage for breast reduction. This is a, this is a common operation that insurance does usually cover with if patients can demonstrate neck, back, and shoulder pain. The big disadvantage of going through insurance is there are oftentimes qualifications that patients need to meet prior to doing a breast reduction. So for example, based on your height and weight, the insurance company will say, we can only 
you can take off, you have to take off a max or a minimum amount of volume of say 300 or 400 or 500 grams. And it's very difficult for me to try to take that tissue off through a simple vertical scar. I oftentimes have to incorporate a horizontal scar to, to get the minimum amount of tissue. And now would be a great time to actually segue into that conversation about insurance because I didn't have a planned time to actually talk about that. Do you find, both of you guys, that the majority of patients that, that you see who want to go through their insurance company are actually able to qualify and achieve the size that they're looking to be postoperatively? I, I would think so, yes. Most of the time, the patients I see for this are referred from another physician, their primary care doctor. They've demonstrated that they've gone to physical therapy. They've demonstrated significant neck and back pain. And usually that's been previously documented in the medical record, which I think says a lot to the insurance company. So in general, most of the patients do qualify for this, I believe. Yeah. I no longer take insurances, but when I did, I found that this uh, preauthorization for breast reduction surgery was one of the most onerous processes, at least in New Jersey, for me. Most of the um, insurances were pretty strict about their uh, criteria. And they generally included at least three to six months of symptomatic documentation. So it wasn't enough just to have one or two physical therapy sessions. They needed to document over a fairly substantial period of time symptoms and the lack of relief of non-surgical treatments. And that was really, they were just obstacles, obstacles for patients who clearly had major issues preventing them from getting adequate surgical relief in a timely fashion. That was because it's a financial business and they're looking to try to limit. They know a certain number of patients will give up and probably pay out of pocket because they didn't want to take the time to do this, to accumulate the documentation and get the documentation. But it pretty much, um, Sal is right, everyone requires it. And depending on who your insurance carrier is, it can be quick or it can be long. Yeah, my experience has been more like Dr. Rees than Dr. Pacella's. I don't know about you guys, but I started noticing probably four or five years ago an increasing number of patients whose insurance policies had carve-outs where breast reductions were just blanket excluded. Probably 25 to 30% of the patients that would come into the office just had blanket exclusion policies where even if they met the criteria, it would not be covered. The other thing is, the viewers may not have heard this term, but Dr. Rhee and Dr. Pacella will, will know this well. It's called the Schnur sliding scale. And it's, it's what Dr. Pacella was alluding to earlier, where there is a sliding scale based off of your body surface area, which is determined based off of your weight and based off of your height, the amount of tissue that should come out. And the way that it, was, it came about was from a study done in like the, I think, 1992 or 1993, where a plastic surgeon, Paul Schnur, sent out a questionnaire to plastic surgeons. And basically this questionnaire said roughly, or, or how many breast reductions did you do last year? How many of them did you think were medically necessary? And then of the ones that were medically necessary, how much did you roughly take out? And then he got the patient's height and weight. Very low response rate. I think it was under 20% of the surgeons that were polled actually even responded to it. But off of that, the insurance company created a scale by which they make determinations of whether or not things are medically necessary. And as all of the outcomes data has subsequently shown, relief of symptoms is not correlated to the amount of weight that comes out. But it's a metric that many of the insurance companies are using just to try to 
make sure they're not doing a cosmetic breast lift instead of a breast reduction. But in some, in many of the patients that I actually see who want their symptoms to go away, but they don't necessarily want to be small breasted, they're not able um, to really meet the criteria. So, you know, that that's a, that's a really interesting point you make there, Sam. Many times in my experience, I, I will say breast reduction, regardless of the size that's removed, can help significantly with neck, back and shoulder pain, even if it's a small amount. And it's really more of a repositioning the breast on the chest wall, which makes it easier to carry for the weight. And the analogy I like to use for patients is, let, let's see yourself going through an airport and you're carrying a, a, a briefcase, okay? It's heavy with a lot of documents. If you're carrying that briefcase by your side next to your thigh, normally like we would do, that's a lot easier to carry than say if you went the whole way carrying it out here. It's exactly the same weight, but carrying out here is going to be a little bit more, is quite a bit more painful and it's going to cause more fatigue. And so when you take the breasts and you're putting them on your abdomen, that's a lot harder to carry than when they're sort of up on top of the chest. And that's unfortunately something the insurance companies don't really understand many times. Or, or just like Sam was saying, it's a way to allow them to pay for, for fewer right. cases for sure. The other and by far and away the most common way to do this operation is to do what plastic surgeons refer to as a wise pattern. What we'll oftentimes describe to our patients is an anchor pattern, which is an incision that goes around the areola a straight line coming down and one across the bottom. This is the most common way that's done because it allows the surgeon the most freedom to reshape the breast. The incision around the areola allows us to slide the areola to the ideal position on the breast. The vertical incisions allow us to narrow the width of the breast. The one across the very bottom, the transverse incision allows us to shorten the length of the breast and also to remove tissue from the bottom portion of the breast easy easily, which is um, clearly where people want to get rid of it when they're coming in for a breast reduction. The way we all train during our residency, during my residency, every single breast reduction that I saw was done through this type of incision. I think all of us have changed the techniques that we learned in, since residency, but just out of curiosity, did you guys see anything that was not this type of breast reduction during your residency? Oh, we just saw standard inferior pedicle wise pattern. I didn't, it wasn't until my fellowship that I really started changing the way I do things. Exactly. Same here. Same here. All right. Well, and interestingly, and interestingly enough, Dr. Tares, it was always a, <laughs> the wise pattern inferior base pedicle in training seemed to be so much of a stress inducing procedure many times. I, I just... I don't make it, I don't understand necessarily. <laughs> nah, no, nor do I. A lot of, and a lot of, I'm just going to be totally frank and transparent. Our viewers <laughs> would appreciate that as opposed to our normal political guarded way of speaking. Mm -hmm. We saw a lot of bad breast reductions during mm -hmm. residency where some of the measurements that were being used and some of the design principles just made very little sense. And it's because... I don't know. I'm just going to leave it at that. So <laughs> with, with that being said, let's look at a case. This is a typical sort of case that I'll see in my practice. Oftentimes a breast reduction is done as part of a, of a, a part of a larger body contouring operation. But this was a patient that I saw who had previously had pregnancy. She was large breasted before her pregnancies and she got bigger and droopier with, with her pregnancies. She was having significant back pain, neck pain and shoulder pain. She would go to the chiropractor with no relief in her symptoms. She wanted to be smaller. She didn't necessarily want to be a B or a C cup like her insurance company might have wanted, but she definitely wanted to be smaller, both to help with her quality of life. 
and also to help with her pain. So here are her pictures. You can see that she has some substantial asymmetry. Hopefully the size of the uh, nipple shields that I put on here will let you know that her areolas have, have enlarged. And she obviously has large breasts. Any, any particular way you guys would address this case? I think one of the things I always want to make sure is sometimes patients just have, they're so symptomatic, they will come in someone similar to this patient and say, you know what? I just want everything off. I want it all gone. Just make me as small as I possibly can. And I will often have to tell them, listen, if I make you as small as you possibly can, we will lose a great deal of the aesthetic or appearance of your breast. We have to maintain some sort of shape, some sort of projection and some sort of form. If I took everything off, I usually tell them you will look like you have a fat man breast. It will be a low riding mound that has no shape or slope to it. And so I will tell them we can achieve within certain parameters a reasonable size that will be much better fitted for you. But we can't, I don't want to make you an A cup. That's not the goal here, nor that should that be the goal for anybody, I think. Yeah, I, we, patients are oftentimes, they're very well educated on the benefits of breast reduction, but Sometimes they, they don't necessarily understand or have been explained the, the disadvantages of breast reduction. So I, I really spend a bit of time talking about some of the issues related to breast reduction um, and complications that we can see. You, so I really do something I call the four S's, okay? So there's the number one, the, the, the scars. We talked about the scars. They have to be vertical. They have to be periareolar. They have to go around. Number two is the sensitivity to the nipple. And depending on the study you see, anywhere from 30 to 50% of patients can experience some changes in nipple sensitivity. Unlike, say, an operation like a breast augmentation, you're an A cup, we put an implant in, you heal up, everybody's happy. Breast reduction does have some potential issues. The third S is the side, okay, side boob, what we like to call, okay. Many patients that are heavier, that have bigger breasts, they oftentimes point to this area on the side right here, and they say, I want this off. That's technically not your breast. That's more of the back fatty tissue, the back adipose tissue. That's not necessarily taken off or treated with a standard breast reduction. Oftentimes, you need some liposuction, which we highly recommend at the same time, because just simply putting a, getting a smaller breast, if you wear your bra and you don't address the side stuff, that's going to be coming off the side, and, and patients are going to be sorely unhappy. Then the fourth S is shape. Okay, so unlike a breast augmentation where the, the shape can be perky and perfect, oftentimes the larger your breast is, the more difficult it is to make a perfect shape. And what I counsel patients on is having a potential bottoming out deformity longer term. What a bottoming out deformity is when the breast takes a shape that looks a little bit bottom heavy, although it's not big, there's not really a tremendous amount of extra fullness up top. And that's an important thing to understand, I think. I think yeah. you, you mentioned how we did so many bad initial breast reductions in training. And over time, I think a lot about these breast reductions that we did and how we have changed. All of us have changed a lot in terms of our technique. And we probably have just really applied most of our aesthetic breast knowledge to make mm -hmm. these 
better. There's a, a gray area where you go from mastopexy and breast lift to breast reduction. And the more I treat them like mastopexies with a large tissue resection, the better off I'm going to be in terms of my aesthetic results. I know surgeons out there that still do it the same way that they learned 20 years ago, 25 years ago, obsolete techniques like free nipple grafting, which I think is something that should be shunned in 99% of patients. And uh, you need to find someone who can really do a really nice job, regardless of whether in insurance, out of insurance, and maybe I'm just saying that because I'm out of insurance, but you really just have to find the best possible surgeon out there, period. I like I like Pacello's four S's. I'm gonna probably steal that. I like that a lot. But to put together what the what the boat what both of you were talking about with Sal's fourth S, which was shaping, a lot of the really poorly designed breast reductions tend to leave it tend to leave the nipple attached to a lot of tissue and blood vessels coming from the bottom of the breast, what surgeons refer to as an inferior pedicle. And in many of those cases, I have noticed in my own patients, and chime in if you guys feel differently, that when you leave a large amount of tissue attached to the bottom of the breast, you are more likely to see more bottoming out or more deformity where the breast looks right. bottom heavy. That operation is counterintuitive, right, Sam's? Yes. Because mm -hmm. if you think about it, look at this lady. She's got no volume up top. Most of her volume is down below. So you would think that somehow we should be able to take the bottom tissue and move it up to the top. But a standard inferior breast reduction, inferior pedicle breast reduction, it actually removes tissue from the area where patients are already deficient. So that's, exactly. that's why it looks pretty bad later on. So do you guys do routinely inferior pedicles? At this I haven't point? done an I haven't done an inferior pedicle in twelve years. All Same superior here. metal or superior based. Yeah. Same here. Last, last inferior pedicle I did, I was in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Yep. I haven't Same done here. a superior <laughs> in Fifteen I, I years, yeah. Now I do know I do know some good plastic surgeons that do still believe in the operation. That's not their sole operation, but they do have a few indications for that, which I can buy their rationale occasionally. I have different ways to handle it, but ultimately, this patient—the reason why this patient and so many breast reduction uh, patients are coming to see us—is they have a lot of weight in their breast. They have inadequate support with their own tissue and ligaments. If you don't change anything about their intrinsic support. Like there's not, even when we make everything smaller and tighter, it doesn't mean that she has tissue that's of the best quality. If you leave it down low, it's going to stretch out down low. It's just the way it is for all of these patients. I'm assuming you guys would probably use a variation of a wise pattern for this operation, which is, again, for our viewers, an incision around the nipple, a straight line coming down, and then one across the bottom. Am I correct in that assumption? Yes, I do. Exactly. Then let's get to the punchline <laughs> here. So I, I, in many ways, I'll still design the operation like a keyhole where we're going to do an incision that's mainly vertical. But then I'll end up adding, I think in her, about a six centimeter or, or a, a six inch rather incision across the bottom, which is hidden in the crease down here. But fairly typical breast reduction results. You can see she's obviously smaller and she has a better shape and more tissue sitting up high. Yeah, I do the vertical ellipse. I designed that pre-op. And then on the table, I will design or figure out the inferior incision, the horizontal, and how much I need to take out on the table. And then I finally, like the last thing I'll do is set the uh, nipple or reeler complex position based on, on that. So it's a little bit of a cut as you go, which I picked up from... I think it was Dave Hidalgo uh, in New York mm -hmm. while I was there.
Mm-hmm. I also did a tummy tuck on her. Yeah, I, I did a tummy tuck on her as well, which enhances the results of the breast reduction because then the the breasts still stick out further than the tummy, which is desirable. So I, I had a so this week, and I don't know if it's just my my predilection for doing Brazilian butt lifts, but in the last actually in the last two weeks, I've had three patients introduce to me a term I had never heard before, but I think it's applicable. Have you ever heard Snatch. patients describe? I don't know that I know. <laughs> booty do. You ever heard this? Booty do. Any no. patients say I got booty do? That's new. Booty do is not one I've heard of. <laughs> booty do is when the booty, or actually when the tummy sticks out further than the booty do. And so in that situation, <laughs> you either got to make the tummy smaller <laughs> or you got to make the butt bigger. I think the same can be said about the breast. So, <laughs> and on that, that is, oh my God, that's hilarious. So if that doesn't booty happen, don't. it's booty don't. Oh yeah, look, look, from, from Urban Dictionary, booty do, B-O-T-Y-D-O, when her stomach sticks out more than her booty do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just learned that. Patients uh, have taught me this, these things. So. I'm going to use that in my next consultation. I'll be like, you have booty do. <laughs> There's got to be. And I was relaying. I was relaying this story in the OR to one of my techs, and she looked at me like, "Yeah, duh." And there's a male equivalent as well, but it's probably not appropriate for the podcast. So <laughs> you're gonna have to um, tell me that off offline. Yeah, <laughs> gentlemen, that's all I know about breast reduction. Anything you guys want to add? We have a lot of levity when we talk about these things, but obviously. Like you said, patients love the operation in terms of their satisfaction afterwards. I know patients literally on in recovery feel a weight's been taken off their shoulders. They are very happy with their outcomes. Almost everyone is understands what it means to trade large, heavy breasts that cause a lot of problems for smaller breasts with scars, which really help them a lot every day. Like uh, Sal said, I think it is important to tell patients this is not a form of weight reduction. It's, this is not weight loss. If a patient is obese beforehand, they're going to be obese afterwards. But for the patients who are good candidates for this, it is pretty transformative. Yeah. Yeah, you are so true. It, it can change people's lives so much. And, and luckily, there's a lot of plastic surgeons that do this operation very well. <clears throat> yes. Pachella do. Booty do. Booty do. Booty do. <laughs> do. He do. <laughs> well, have a great weekend, gentlemen. <laughs>